0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.
1: I am a perfectionist. I've always been a bit of an anxious kid actually and I've always been a bit nervous, not quite too sure of myself but certainly as I moved into the workforce and things got really tough and competitive, I put a lot of pressure on myself. (laughs) This is Thomas Curran. And I'm an associate professor at the London School of Economics and my specialty is the personality characteristic of perfectionism. I remember I I wrote uh, 500 words of my thesis on Christmas Day. I was was really proud of that at the time. So these are the kind of (laughs) ridiculous uh, uh, behaviours that I would hold dear. I would think that they were indicative of somebody who's going to work hard, somebody who wanted to be successful and all the rest of it.
2: But Tom learned the hard way that striving for perfection didn't equal success.
1: It can create some really difficult mental health problems, and that was exactly what happened to me. I got a lot of panic attacks, um, some depression, and I needed to, needed to rethink uh, whether perfectionism was actually helping me.
2: Hello, I'm Lisa Leong, and in this episode of This Working Life, what leads us into the sticky trap of perfectionism, and how can we get out of it? Tom, when you were rethinking perfectionism, what did you initially find?
1: Well, I found that its starting point was not what I thought it was. Its starting point is about deficit, about lack. So all these behaviours, is striving and working hard and trying to do my best, I, I used to think it was indicative of somebody that was a you know high achiever, but actually inside. <laughs> it was coming from a, a, a different place of lack and deficit. And I wasn't able to recognize that until I was brought to that awareness. And and when you start there with perfectionism, you can begin to see why it has some really difficult psychological uh, outcomes. Because if we never feel like we're enough, if we're constantly striving to overcompensate for our sense of lack, then there is no endpoint. There's no destination. It's like trying to chase the horizon. The closer you get, the further it moves. And that's the trap of perfectionism. Uh, there is no joy. There is no contentment. And or satisfaction when we've done things well and, and when we haven't done things well when we've made mistakes or failed we can go really harsh and self-critical on ourselves because we've revealed to the world some flaw that we were trying to disguise so it's a really really difficult personality characteristic to carry around with us
2: what are some of the telltale signs that you're dealing with a perfectionist at work
1: you'll see a lot of irritability you'll see a lot of Uh, impatience, uh, particularly when things haven't gone well. You'll also see a very curious type of defensive behavior, which um, can look like avoidance sometimes, withdrawal. They can move away from people, particularly in difficult, challenging situations. And when things get tough, they can often find themselves self-sabotaging. So procrastinating, uh, divvering, worrying, iterating, all these sorts of behaviors is very classic of the perfectionist because th- that failure is, is really challenging for their self-esteem. You know, if you've been in the workplace long enough, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to recognize them and you, and you remember them because it wasn't a good experience. It will, it would have felt quite claustrophobic and you would feel like you're under the microscope all the time. I suppose the main thing I would say is if you do encounter that situation, it's important to recognize that it's more of a projection. So it's more of a them problem than a you problem, if that makes sense. Because so, it's what Freud would call projection, projecting our own unrelenting standards onto other people. And in that sense, it's not personal. And secondly, it's important to have open and clear lines of communication to make sure that you let people, let people in your workplace know that if the standards are un- unrelenting or that the expectations are too high, that we talk about that. They were able to communicate and explain clearly why that's unattainable or not at all a reasonable demand. So clear lines of communication and recognising this isn't personal. I think those are two things that can help managing um, somebody who's high-avoir oriented perfectionism in the workplace.
2: I know a few people who would say that they need to be perfectionists because it is about high standards, and that if you don't meet those, then you know then you're obviously faulty because that's what we should be aiming for at work. What would you say to that?
1: Well, it's a really, I mean, that's what I used to believe too <laughs> and strongly believe it. I mean, I would not let, want to let go of my perfectionism until it came to the point where I had to. That was how strongly I wanted to hold on to it because I, I believed that it was necessary for success. But when you look closer, uh, Lisa, you, you, you see that actually perfectionism is not at all related to success. What you what you have here is is—is a, is a curious personality trait that makes us work really hard, yes, but it's unsustainably hard. So we push ourselves well beyond comfort into the zone of burnout where we need to take time off and and recuperate. But it's not just that reason. Perfectionists also do something really interesting when they meet challenge, as I sort of hinted at earlier. And when we put perfectionists in the lab time after time, when we uh, uh, get them to do some activity and tell them that they failed, what you'll see is when we say, don't worry though, you can have another go, is something really curious to perfectionist people because non-perfectionist people, they don't really change their effort on the second attempt. They they keep going. But perfectionist people take themselves away from the activity. They stop trying because you can't fail at something you didn't try at, right? So this is why perfectionism has a really... Um, I suppose uh, paradoxical relationship with success, where on the one hand they work really hard, but it's really inefficient, and it's also extremely unsustainable. And that, and for those two reasons, we don't see perfectionism correlate with success in the literature.
2: I'm also really curious about this idea of perfect because I'm not even sure whether we could say that there is a perfect anymore given how chaotic life and work is at the moment. So why do you think it persists, this idea that we need to do things and make it perfect, whatever that means?
1: (laughs) I assume we live in a world now where our expectations are warped the apex of society is narrowed. And with that has come a celebration of the uber successful, the what 0.11%, the Kardashians, the CEOs, these are the people we valorize, these are the people we platform. And I think if you look out into that world, then you're going to think that perfect is necessary, <laughs> not just de- uh, desirable, but necessary uh, in order to succeed. Because anything less than that feels like a failure even though it's not even though 75 percent of us are somewhere around the middle somewhere around the average we we are led to believe that we should be striving holding ourselves on tiptoes at all times because that's the goal that's the thing we celebrate so i think we radiate perfection because the modern world radiates perfection and i don't think it's any surprise that we're seeing levels of perfectionism increase because of that
2: ah so instead of going the other way we're aiming for more than perfect (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. We see this in our data all the time and we've collected a lot of data over the last 30 years. Uh, Perfectionism is rising and it's rising really fast, particularly social perceptions. So this idea that everybody expects me to be perfect, that's rising exponentially at the moment in among young people. And there's many reasons for that, but this, the, the idea that society's expectations of warped social media feeding that those expectations you know schools colleges and the workplace have become really tough so there's loads of reasons why i think perfectionism is on the rise but i think we have to be aware of that trend because it's making us miserable and it's not making us any more likely to succeed so yes the conventional wisdom is we need to be perfect but actually the data suggests that we don't
2: Thomas, would you help us out? We've got a few people who may be in the category of perfectionists and we'd love to get your thoughts on how you might help them.
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: Okay, first person is Lou. Lou's starting her own business.
0: Hi, my name is Lou and I'm a yoga and meditation teacher and currently I'm building a business to help others who are either self-employed entrepreneurs lead a more balanced uh, life. I've uh, a student. I think I might be type A, um, but I'm definitely a perfectionist on many levels. And while when I used to work in startups, it was uh, quite easy for me to just get the job done. Now that I'm working on a more personal brand in my own business, I'm stuck with decision paralysis. And yeah, just taking the next step. I find myself often swinging between two modes, which either really overworking and putting in long hours and edging close to uh, burnout, which is something I've experienced before. And then the other mode is going into a phase of whatever and just being a bit detached from the business because, um, because I've had too much of it. So I guess my question is, when do I know when to push forward and when do I know how to pull back Am I just failing my own standards, <laughs> or am I too demanding?
1: Okay, it's a really good question, and I know I relate to everything was said. It's so t- it's so tough when you are pushing yourself out, that you are trying something new. You want it to be bulletproof, you want it to work. I understand all those things, and and it can lead to paralysis because we don't want to push it forward, we don't push it out there because it might not work, and people might not like it. And oh my goodness, so it's really important that you got to feel that fear and do it anyway. Look, you know, but your perfectionism will tell you that you can't put this out into the world until it's absolutely perfect because otherwise it's going to come crumbling down. That's a very, that's a cat, it's called catastrophizing, and perfectionists do it a lot. So it's really important to soften those thoughts to understand that actually, you know, the, the innovative process, particularly when it comes to business is not going to be a perfect process. You know, there are thousands and thousands of good enough ways to launch this business and it will be successful. There's no one perfect way. So it's important to recognize that and, and just kind of bring down those expectations of, of what it needs to be before it goes into the world and then let it go. And just sit a little bit with the anxiety, because it's going to be anxious, but just sit with that. And then take on board the feedback. What are the customers saying? What are your clients saying? How's it going? You know, these are really important uh, learning points that you can then begin to build and iterate your business to make it better. Right. But a business that doesn't go out into the world can't be made better. But a business in the world that has feedback can be made better. So I would urge you: put it out there, feel the fear, do it anyway. And it's like taking a sledgehammer to your perfectionism. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. Now we have Neve. Neve, come on down. Uh, Neve wants to know about the role feedback plays in all of this.
0: My name is Neve, and I think I might be a perfectionist. I got moved onto to a very serious news and political show in one of my first jobs post-college. It was uh, with a really prestigious show that I've been waiting to get on, like looking forward to working on. And then I was a couple of weeks into the job, about four weeks, and I had heard no feedback. And I automatically thought I was doing something wrong. So I approached my manager and I asked him, hi, is there anything I'm doing wrong? What can I do to improve, essentially looking for constructive feedback because for some reason I'd felt the job I was doing was not good enough. So does this happen a lot? Does this prove I'm a perfectionist or how can I work on it to that I don't essentially need all that feedback to just believe I'm doing a good job as it is?
1: Yeah, I need this. Again, this is very uh, perfectionistic type of thinking. It's this idea that that I'm never good enough, that there must be something wrong. There has to be something wrong because I'm a perfectionist and I know deep down that I'm not perfect. So there needs to be a way to improve. Sometimes, you know, we just do things really well. We succeed and it's okay. <laughs> Enjoy that, savor it, reward yourself. Realize that in this moment, I've succeeded. You don't think about what's next, right? Don't think about how how we can, you know, move forward in this moment, but actually just uh, embrace that. It's so important to enjoy those wins because you fail way more times than you succeed in this world, right? Failure is regression to the mean. And so, when you do have that successful moment, when there is no feedback and you've completely nailed it, allow yourself the permission to enjoy that. There'll always be time for next. That comes in the future, but for now, enjoy it. And I would I would urge anyone listening and, and particularly Neve there to make sure that, you know, savor those moments. They're really important. Don't let your perfectionism tell you that there must be something wrong. Sometimes there isn't and that's okay.
2: All right, Thomas, last one. This is Sam. Uh, Sam's good at starting projects but not great at finishing them.
1: My name is Sam and I do a lot of extra work on the side, uh, I guess just like in the merit of kind of like, improving my career, and improving my abilities and what I do. Um, and while I think it's probably good to take the things on, I have problems finishing them. I have really high expectations of what I
0: want these, these things to be. Like what I find is I'm constantly tweaking and tinkering and reworking and rewriting
1: and redoing these projects. And I guess the question would be how do you... Find balance between wanting to have very high standards for something and to be a certain level while also not obsessing over something being a specific way. Yeah, Sam, um, this is um, very common. I think the most important thing is to recognize, to reframe that a little bit that, you know, even the best chefs in the world can overwork the cream into butter. Right. You can do too much. And actually when you iterate and you edit and you continually work to the minute detail, you can actually co- compromise the quality of the work rather than en- enhance it because you, you know, you're changing things that don't need to be changed. You're taking things out that don't need to be taken out because your perfectionism is telling you that there's got to be something wrong that we've got to improve. There's got to be an area where, uh, this piece of project or presentation or whatever it might be, can be made better as I mentioned to Lou earlier, it's so important to recognize that actually the most important thing is that we get things out there into the world that we continue to uh, improve and develop ourselves, right? Not the work. And so in in that process, uh, you have to let things go and you have to get feedback and you have to keep moving forward. So look, you know, it's, it's important to be meticulous. Don't get me wrong. It's important to be diligent. It's important to be conscientious. All those things are wonderful, but when we are perfectionistic, it, it, it brings us into that zone of declining and diminishing to returns to each unit of effort that we put in and that can ultimately mean that we're less successful, not more successful. So let things go and you'll be way more liberated, way more happy and, and, you'll, and you'll find your performances improve too.
2: You say that there are three main types of this perfectionism. The first one which we dealt with was the self-oriented perfectionism. Do you want to go deeper on that category?
1: Absolutely. So Self oriented perfectionism is what most of us hold in our mind's eye when we think about perfectionism and the quintessential overstriver, somebody that needs to be perfect and nothing but perfect. It's a very powerful drive that comes from within uh, and it's fused with self criticism. So when we haven't been perfect, we're very harsh on ourselves. But over the years, uh, many, many decades of just talking to perfectionistic people, working with them, doing a lot of research in the area, we find that it isn't just self-set standards that perfectionists seem to hold, that actually those self-set standards are also mirrored out into the world too. So we hold standards of perfection and we also believe that the social world expects us to be perfect too, that everybody and all around me has exactly those same expectations on me that I do. And so there's a sense that People are watching, people are waiting to pass when I haven't been perfect. And this is a social element of perfectionism we call socially prescribed perfectionism. And there's a third element too, you're correct. And that's perfectionism that's turned outwards onto other people. So just as I expect myself to be perfect, and I'm very critical of myself when I haven't been perfect, I'm also going to apply those rules to you. So you need to be perfect and nothing but perfect. And I'm going to let you know (laughs) if you haven't met those standards. So people can fall on the spectrums of each of these other oriented socially prescribed, self-oriented perfectionism, you know it can be high on one, low on the other, etc and any every area in between it's a consolation. No one perfectionism is the same. But nevertheless these are the three core components of perfectionism we see time and time again in perfectionistic people.
2: And what stood out for me is this idea of deficit thinking—you know, turning uh, against other people and really seeing them for deficits. D- did that affect you when you were in your perfectionist self as an academic? Did you perhaps turn deficit thinking to the your peers or to the students?
1: Uh, it's really interesting because my perfectionism is very uh, comes from, I think, uh, imposterism a little bit. Coming from a working class background and lifting myself into a middle class world, I very much put it took it upon myself to sort of not let that background define me. But then, at the same time, realise that I have to overcome a lot of structural hurdles uh, along the way. And so that I took that on myself. I put unrelenting pressure on myself because I just always felt like I was a little bit inferior, like I wasn't quite good enough. I didn't quite belong in those settings. So mine was very much turning inwards on myself. And so I would say I was quite high on self and social, but a little bit lower on other. But that's not to say that there would, there would be times perhaps when perfectionism was really taking over my life, that I would also turn those standards and expectations out onto other people. I think that in the perfectionist mind, it's only fair... That if I'm putting myself through this, that, you know, <laughs> you've got to do it too, right? Now, of course, these are completely unhealthy ways to live and think. But I think when you're really caught in the perfection trap, uh, you do tend to carry those beliefs around with you. And it's only when you, you see that it's all coming from that place of deficit it's all coming from that place of lack and actually there's a more active and optimistic way to think about living striving working and all the rest of it you can begin to focus on the more positive things as you mentioned things like growth things like development things uh, that help people be more creative and innovative which is ultimately better for performance and is ultimately better for well-being too
2: you mentioned your own anxiety and then burnout. What are the short and long-term effects if it continues?
1: Yeah, you have to be preemptive with these things because if they begin to overrun you, uh, it can lead to some really difficult mental health uh, complications in the long run. So in the short run, burnout can look quite benign. You can you feel a little bit cynical sometimes about work oh you know what's going on is it worth it you can but then you know you snap out of it you, you talk yourself around but then it can also look a little bit uh like you're not really achieving it as much as you want to achieve you can feel like uh i'm not performing up to standard i'm starting to slip back but the big one that starts to come through uh, late in the day with burnout and it, when this comes through in some ways it's, it's too late is exhaustion then you start to feel tired, enervated, fatigue, listless. You, you you wonder whether, you know, you can even get yourself out of bed to go to work. That's how tough it can be when it starts to take over. So it's really important you look out for those first signs. That cynicism and that reduced accomplishment are really the first telltale signs that burnout starting to creep in. Take preemptive action. Have a week off. Just relax. Do something different. Make sure you look after yourself first. And then come back refreshed and rejuvenated because if you let it run its course, it, it, it can create, as in my case and many other people's cases, it can create some real, real difficulties. I mean, you have to take more time off in the long run because it takes longer to recover from.
2: If we wanted to try and change our practices from tomorrow, what are some of the tips that we can do as individuals around trying to hold our perfectionism that little bit lighter?
1: Yeah, I would say challenge yourself, challenge your perfectionism. Everyone has in their mind's eye this perfect person that they're trying to put project into the world. Challenge that perfect person a little bit, you know, push push that perfect person out of his comfort zone a little bit. But secondly, you've got to carry with, with that courage, self-compassion. So I think it's really, really important to make sure that when we do slip up, we do show our vulnerability or we make mistakes to be, to be kind to ourselves and other people in those situations. And then, you know, there are micro strategies. I would say procrastination is a big problem for perfectionists. People, so give yourself small bursts of time—you know, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes—to get things started. We know that if you get things started, you're way more likely to finish. So give yourself small bursts of time, but just get it started. That's the most important thing. And then, of course, there are things we mentioned about reframing. Reframing is irrational beliefs around what you must be, what you have to be, and the consequences of things not perhaps planning out the way we planned. All of those things are really poor. Reframe them to softer, more constructive, more realistic beliefs. And if you're able to put in place one, two or all of these things, uh, then you'll start to feel the power of perfectionism melt away.
2: Once you're a perfectionist, though, can you actually ever change that? Do you think, Thomas, or is it just managing it, as you're saying, by making sure that you have guidelines and boundaries around
1: yourself? <laughs> yeah, it's important to remember it's a journey. I, I, I don't think it's any good to, to put a destination on anything, really. Like especially when it comes to your mental health i think perfectionism is a spectrum so we can move ourselves down backwards <laughs> and we can begin to take on these irrational thoughts and behaviors absolutely but i don't think it's any good to say we're going to want to completely eradicate my perfectionism because i don't think that's that's going to happen we live in a world that pushes on a perfectionism all the time and we're going to slip up and we're going to succumb to it and we're going to feel a bit crummy about that. And that all of that's okay. It's part and parcel of a journey. The, the main motivation for people who want to try to address their perfectionism is to, is to realize that it's holding us back. Number one, right? That's the first big breakthrough that actually this is not holding you up in the world. When everything feels like it's coming down, it's actually the perfectionism that's creating the problems. If we can wrap our head around that, then we can start to challenge these irrational beliefs. We can start to think about clearly, is this must or have to? this kind of black and white thinking that perfectionists will lead me down. Is this healthy? Is is this realistic? Is this what I actually think? Be compassionate with yourself when you do encounter setbacks and make mistakes. Push yourself out into the world so you make those mistakes and setbacks in ever more regularity and get comfortable with those feelings. All of these things are so, so important on the journey to overcoming your perfectionism.
2: Thanks to my guest, Dr. Thomas Curran, Associate Professor at the London School of Economics and author of the book, The Perfection Trap,
1: Thank you, Lisa. It's been a joy to chat. And thanks to Lou,
2: Neve, and Sam for sharing their stories. I'm Lisa Leong. Thanks for listening to This Working Life. It's produced by Zoe Ferguson and mixed by Kerry Dell. This episode was produced on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Next time on This Working Life, organisational psychologist and best-selling author Adam Grant on how you can unlock your hidden potential.
0: Ambition is what you want to achieve. It's a result. Whereas aspiration is who you want to become. It's a dream. And I think the, the danger of ambition is that it focuses us too much on performance. You know, a lot of people see an uncomfortable situation as a threat to their confidence or to their self-esteem. I think we're much better off when we try to look at it as as a challenge.
2: Make sure you follow our podcast to get it as soon as it drops. Hit the heart button on the ABC Listen app. Until then, work it,
0: baby. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.